Fashion-era world of boxers, small-time swindlers, exotic dancers, people getting by, as he affectionately called them, would have appreciated the rich diversity of characters in Southern California's Porn Valley. Liebling's appreciation for the vernacular spoken by his streetwise subjects and his instinct for humor in even the grimmest of situations offered insight for how I might handle my subject matter. Describing his approach to writing, Liebling said, The humor, as during a blitz, was rueful and concerned with the imminence of individual disaster. My career at Hustler began with an overdose of Xanax. I had been working a string of temp jobs in Los Angeles when a friend told me about an opening to be a copy editor at the magazine. I sent a resume, and a few days later I was called in for an interview. At the time, I suffered from an imaginary form of social anxiety disorder. I had a fear of going into social situations that might induce a panic attack. This had never happened to me, but I had read about it happening to other people and developed a fear it might happen to me, a phobia of a phobia, as it were, which I medicated by popping copious amounts of Xanaxes before a stressful social interaction, such as a job interview. Without the crutch of a massive dose of tranquilizers, I feared that in the middle of an interview I might lose my mind and begin sweating uncontrollably, speaking in tongues or walking in aimless circles through the office of my prospective employer. On the afternoon of my job interview, I overshot the mark. I'd eaten a big lunch that day and, to compensate, popped several extra pills before getting on the bus that would take me to Hustler's offices in the Flint Building on Wilshire Boulevard. Somewhere in Beverly Hills, the bus broke down. I had to jog several blocks to make the interview. The exertion must have released a powerful wave of tranquilizer into my bloodstream. By the time a receptionist showed me into the executive editor's office, I couldn't feel my face. Alan McDonnell, the executive editor, sat at a broad, uncluttered desk behind which panoramic windows offered a sweeping view of nothing, low, putty-colored apartment buildings and parking lots. In his late thirties, McDonnell wore thick, black-framed glasses that gave him a passing resemblance to Elvis Costello. He had a raspy voice and mumbled like a character in Mean Streets. My difficulty in understanding him was compounded by the fact that the numbness from the tranquilizers was radiating from my spine in warm, liquid, golden waves of heat. It was so intoxicatingly pleasant I had to concentrate not to slump face forward. Between MacDonald's mumbling and the extreme effort it took to remain upright, I could only pick up snippets of what he was saying. I pieced together that my resume contained a typo, which disqualified me for the position of copy editor. From that point on, I only remembered disjointed pieces of the afternoon, shaking hands, walking across a floor that felt bouncy like a trampoline, trying to hold a number two pencil as I filled out some papers. I came to the next morning in my apartment, wondering what had happened. I phoned Hustler's office and was put through to McDonnell. It was a confusing conversation, I'm sure for both of us, because the day before McDonnell had offered me a job, and I had accepted. 
and now I was on the phone with him trying to pretend like I knew that already. It was only on the following Tuesday when I showed up for work and was led to a spacious private office with a large TV and VHS player across from my desk and stacks of adult videotapes on the shelves that I discovered I had been hired as Hustler's entertainment editor, responsible for covering the adult industry. Later I would find out that my hiring had come about after the hasty departure of my predecessor, whose heroin problem had gotten so bad, MacDonald had been forced to fire him. What I was told was that my predecessor's heroin problem hadn't been the grounds for his termination. It was his other behavior, such as never leaving his office. One of my new co-workers explained, the guy who had the job before you would come in every morning with a two-liter bottle of Pepsi, drink it all by lunch, and spend the rest of the day peeing in the empty bottle.